1: Hey everyone, before we get started, I just wanna take a moment to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, hustle is the perfect place for you as part of the program you'll receive personal cover art Q&A's with blue wires top podcasters access to the community discord and e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of all of that we will help get your show pushed to Apple Spotify Google stitcher and all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup so whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you're wanting to grow hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience acceptance into the program is limited so get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com forward slash join check out the description box in this episode for more information but that's bwhustle.com
2: A special bonus episode, kind of a mailbag, where we're going to talk a little bit about zero RB in different formats. That's what we'll talk about today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find me on Twitter at Yards per You can find my substack at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all his work over at Is and Sean, we just started recording this and had an awesome first 10 minutes and I forgot to hit the record button. So we're starting over.
3: Right, well, we'll see what we can do. When I I saw Ben's reaction there, the first thing I thought is LaVisca Chanel has gone down. And so luckily that is not the case. All we have to do is discuss Zero Running Back with you for a second time. Then we had lots of great reactions to the Zero RB series. Also a lot of questions And that kind of ties in with the promotion that we've been running, right? We ask people to give us a rating and review, promote the show somehow on social media, and then suggest a topic for us for the show. So frequent listeners know that every week we do three episodes there within this general theme. We have a general overview of the topic where we kind of dive into how that element of fantasy football works. In show two, we go into the players and give you recommendations on how we think you should play it in 2021. And then in show three, we often have a guest who brings their insight to the topic and helps us, again, get a lot better at fantasy football. It's been a blast doing it this way. We're closing up the contest at this point. If you haven't yet, make sure you send that question out. You can email the site. You can email Roto-Vis Radio, uh tag Colin Kelly the producer for the Rotoviz radio channel and then obviously interacting with Ben is a fantastic way to do it. We'll pick a winner, that winner will get a 6-month subscription to Rotoviz. So, I think a pretty cool prize there. Ben, what are some of the questions that we've had here or more specifically what do people want to know about Zero RB after last week's shows? Yeah,
2: I, and I think it tied into this this promotion so much because we were asking for these questions right when we did the Zero RB show, but I got a ton of questions in DMs and on Twitter related to how do we implement Zero RB in these different league formats. So standard, I got half PPR. I got asked about formats where you only start two wide receivers and it's a smaller starting lineup and kind of heard, you know, I've, I've tried it and I've wound up with too much depth at wide receiver on my bench because I can only start three receivers. And we always talk about this concept of trying to get six top 15 wide receivers and really crush at the wide receiver spots in three wide receiver plus a flex leagues where you can get four wide receivers in your lineups and score a ton of points. It doesn't seem like that big of a difference. It is kind of a pretty big difference ultimately when you get down to it. And then also auctions. And we're going to definitely talk about auctions as well. Uh, I want to talk about lineup size first because I the way I always like to think about it is the deeper the lineup gets, the better 0RB can be implemented. When you get into super flex and you get into these formats where you can really gain back those running back points at more lineup spots, um, it really helps you, you know, see that advantage. Where you're, you know, you're losing some of the t- some of the zero RB points. We uh, Sean, we play in a a great league run by Mike Clay called the Going Deep League where you start two quarterbacks, three running backs, six wide receivers, and two tight ends. And we have so much fun with it every year because there's so many ways you can build your team. And in that type of a really deep format, we can go zero RB because there's so many other lineup spots where you can gain back the the lost production at running back. So, Sean, what are your, some of your thoughts on, for the second time, what are some of your thoughts on how lineup size impacts zero RB?
3: Line of size is is one of the biggest keys that we want to look at when we're deciding how many wide receivers we want to draft, how late we want to wait at running back. Then you mentioned the going deep format. That's a fantastic one. It's super flex. It has the tight end premium. It has the double tight end. And we know that super flex formats are very, very favorable for zero running back. You can look at Blair's great work on the site talking about how this works in best ball for FFPC formats. You can look at some of the drafts that we've done with Sal in terms of his great two QB draft guide that's coming out. Make sure you look for that. If you'd start and push your running backs down in Superflex, it's going to work extremely well. It allows you to get the points at those QB positions that are in so important to dominating your league. You can get that big time tight end and you don't have to have that stress or that worry that, okay, I'm not gonna get running back because of the way that you can use those other positions to really fill out the points. We've seen that happen in Going Deep, where last year our Kelsey Waller team was very effective because of those tight end points within the concept of this tight end premium super flex. And then we see this also work out to a lot of other super flex leagues as well, where the concept of super flex and deep leagues and multiple flexes, all of those elements work together. And so if you have a zero RB approach in those formats, it's going to work extremely well. But we also have questions about how it will work in shallower leagues. But super flex and deep leagues, it makes a big difference. You mentioned the flexes. The flexes also make a big difference, right? If we're in a two running back, two wide receiver format where there are no flexes, then this balance means that the market elements that people are always talking about and tending to talk about incorrectly, in more general or larger formats, they do start to come into play, right? There is a little bit more scarcity of those very top running backs. You're not gonna get the advantage of drafting a position that has a lot more points in wide receiver. And so you wanna be aware of that. And so if you have a a shallow starting lineup and you're in standard, then those things are compounded. And again, you wanna be very wary of this wide receiver heavy start. The flip side of that would be leagues that appear to be a little bit more running back heavy, but in fact are fantastic for zero RB like the FFPC, where you have the tight end premium element that really reinforces this early tight end selection, which makes it harder to get that top running back. But also you have the two, two, two format where now you have two flexes and because of the opportunity to start even more running backs, you'll have a lot of drafters going more in that direction, having a little bit more protection in terms of the way that they see it. That element is fantastic. It's actually better in a lot of ways than a 2 two, three, one format because now running backs become more expensive. Wide receivers are even less expensive. And it's even easier to dominate those four positions looking at the two wide receivers and the two flexes all really as one position because we really need those all to be wide receiver. Then we go to some things like half PPR. How are you looking at half PPR? How are you looking at standard? Our, you know, great friend to the show, to the site, ship chasing, extraordinary YouTube sensation, and I think all around internet superstar, Peter Overzet. He's had great success using zero RB in half PPR formats.
2: Yeah, I mean, it certainly can still be done. Um, the, I, I think broadly, as we talk through all these things, the two things that I would emphasize, and I emphasize to some of the, the people directly that I, ta- that I interacted with was, you need to understand the concepts of zero RB that we really hit on. It was two weeks ago because we did the draft last week, but we hit on how anti fragility is such an important part of this. And then you also need to understand this concept of win the flex that we always talk about. And the reason we say win the flex, or what what we mean when we say that, you obviously want to win the flex. It's very it's very obvious, you know, from the name. But everywhere throughout the the draft, we talk about this a lot, wide receivers in PPR, wide receivers tend to score more points than running back. And especially as you get into those middle rounds, when you start to have the opportunity to draft your flex, that the gap is really wide. And so you have the potential to load all your wide receiver spots and your flex spot with really high scoring wide receivers in a way that your competition is not really going to be able to catch you, especially down at the flex spot. That's where there's going to be this huge gap for you in, in your in your favor and in ppr that is really obvious you want to have a wide receiver in the flex basically anywhere throughout the draft it's going to be clear and so people who start to to really hammer running back they start to try to pigeonhole themselves into getting one of those running backs into their lineup and that's more often than not ends up being a a bad move they're giving up some points there if they get lucky enough that they have three good running backs they're definitely going to be giving up points at receiver and so the, the way I think about half PPR and especially standard is when you start moving that way, where it changes for me a little bit is you can start to make a pretty strong case that because we don't have the value of receptions anymore and running backs who do stay healthy and maintain the heavy workload will rack up more yards um, because they're getting the rushing and the receiving and they're getting more touches overall. They are probably the better bets. like I haven't really looked at the research as as much in the in the in the latest iteration of the NFL where workloads have come down for running backs. But I know some of the early research showed that running backs are going to be better picks at various spots in the draft in terms of expected points because there is no no reception benefit. And you can make the case that now you probably want to try to stack your flex with a running back, but it doesn't change the antifragility element, right? It doesn't change the fact, that there is a running back dead zone for a reason that these guys tend to bust at a really high rate that we can get the, you know, the Daryl Henderson example where because of an injury ahead of him, he jumped 10 rounds of value that doesn't happen in other positions. And so you can get those types of running backs in the later rounds that end up being very strong uh, performers in your starting lineup. So I still, when I'm in those leagues, I, I, you know, I, I certainly am more willing to take running backs in the earlier rounds but I'm still employing the tenants of zero running back, the anti-fragility, the overall concept. I still want to get good receivers. They're more stable. And I know that I'm going to be able to gain points at receivers still. And I, I I don't want to be stacking a bunch of running backs. I don't want to be robust running backing it early because I, I know that I'm adding a lot of downside to my overall roster, a lot of bust risk. And so there's a lot of ways, certainly, that you can think through these different different leagues but that's what i would always say is like consider antifragility and, and the actual underlying concepts and how you can apply that and so again like in standard i can't i can't be as you know the, the, essentially the benefit of antifrag of trying to be anti-fragile is less because I, I might want to flex a running back and there's not as much value to be gained at wide receiver they're not scoring as many points but it's still there and it doesn't mean you just start taking a ton of running backs right
3: Exactly. And the other thing that you see is that prices move even more in your favor in terms of selecting those wide receivers in a half PPR format. You're going to give you more fantastic bargains. And if you have a deep enough lineup, then that will really come into play, which Pete has seen in in a variety of his drafts. How about when we move to standard and standard and especially standard that's not especially deep. One of the things that I always tell readers and listeners is that focus on your starting lineup. Right. Especially if you're in a league that has 14 spots or 16 spots and waivers are going to be very deep every week. You're going to have, again, this dynamic that you've talked about where running backs are appearing all the time in free agency because of injuries that happen, shake up depth charts, and then give you a very clear play. When you're going through those drafts originally, I want to get that stud tight end who can't be replaced. I'm more excited about getting these, extremely high scoring quarterbacks who are going to be difficult to replace even with a solid guy later i want my starting lineup when i come out of that draft to look like an all-star team because i know that the margins really in a shallow standard league are minimal right you're looking at this as a little bit more of a luck type of league and but within that you want to take those small margins and one of them is just to make sure that you have that tight end you have the elite starting lineup
2: yeah absolutely We'll take a quick break here, but when we come back, we'll definitely talk a little bit about how we're approaching it in auction formats.
0: And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash blue wire. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: It's only a kick a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, Sean, we redid the first half of the show. It was, I don't know, at least 50% better the first time around, which is always the case. But uh, we talked about uh, shallow to deep starting lineups and how that impacts how willing we are to go zero RB and and how we're still going to be cautious of taking too many running backs early. How about an auction format where certainly you can allocate your budget and you can be very, you can be variable all the way across the different positions, how much you're, you know, going hard into the different positions. Let's start first with just a normal format, like wh- where we would normally be talking about zero RB, three wide receivers with a flex PPR How are you thinking of the zero RB ideals in an auction format?
3: I think the first thing that we're looking at is trying to make sure we get that wide receiver firepower, right? And auctions are a lot of fun because you can structure your team however you want. And a lot of times people look at this and say, okay, we don't have to play zero RB the same way in auctions because in an auction, you can get one of these first round running backs and it doesn't keep you from getting a Tyreek Hill a Stefan Diggs, a Devonte Adams, if you wanna pay up for that guy as well, right? So we have that dynamic, which I think is an interesting one. The flip side of that is that you can get Hill and Adams if you want, you can get Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. And so from a zero RB perspective, we're looking at this opportunity now to select guys who can really separate your team. We talk a lot about getting six of the top 15. Well, in an auction, you could maybe get three of the top six wide receivers. And that might be more what you're looking to do, but it depends on the option, right? And that's the great thing about it. If Christian McCaffrey is going at even a mild discount to what you would consider the price of the 101 in a snake draft, then you've got to very strongly consider that because we think that he's going to be still far and away the most valuable player in fantasy football in 2021. If he stays healthy, there's no contest, right? you wanna have that player on your team in an auction, you have the choice. All you have to do is be the person who overspends by the most, right? But then there are a variety of other things that we could do. We could get a lot of guys in that round two through four range. We could start to look at some running backs in the dead zone. And one of the things, again, that's just so fun about auctions is you can do it in so many different permutations I talk a lot about the misunderstanding of wide receiver depth is this idea that because wide receiver is deep in some certain rounds that all of a sudden you can benefit from that simply by taking receivers in those rounds, but you only get one out of 12 picks. And so even if wide receiver is deep in these key areas, if you don't start targeting it very early, if you don't have a zero RB or, you know, what we kind of discussed on the controversial show of the modified zero RB type of build, then you're going to still be way behind. Even if you do think that wide receiver is deep in that area. Well, in auctions, you can target those guys. You can have more than one out of 12. And so that, I think, is an interesting way to play it as well. Ben, what are you looking to do in 2021 in auctions structurally here with some of the specific guys who are available? And at the end, maybe I'll come back with one of the reasons why I think you can target the dead zone uh, this year with running backs. Well, and
2: I want to build on that point too because, um, I, you know, I, it, it was a home league auction I did last year. But I did an auction last year that came out as funny as any auction I've ever done, where every single player on my roster was within my like top, I don't know, top ten rounds of of you know of ADP. Um, I wound up with a ton of running backs that were sort of dead zone running backs, and I, I never took any flyers. I didn't really intend to do it that way, but it's something that I think is important because in a lot of Sort of novice auctions, and if any of my league mates are listening in this home league, I apologize. But you get the the huge spending on the first and second rounders, and and so I noticed that right away. The bar was go was very high on these players that are going up top, and there were some targets for me in in the first and second round. But I sort of had to just accept that that's not how this auction was going to play out. And ultimately, I did what you said, where I was really stacking second, fourth to fourth rounders, so to speak. I don't think I got AJ Brown in that one because some of the guys knew how how high I was on him and really bid him up. But I ended up – I remember having just a really deep wide receiver core that included like Tyler Lockett and Terry McLaurin and DJ Moore and maybe Cooper Cup. like several of these dudes that were strong receivers, right, that I'm very comfortable with and had just so much wide receiver firepower without really an elite a, a lead option there. But then I also wound up with Mark Andrews, who was one of my really high-end tight end targets, and Dak Prescott, I remember, in that league. And then at running back, I still – wound up spending a little bit more money than I even meant to. But because of the discounts, when when the top of the auction goes really heavy like that, you get such ridiculous discounts. You get $2, $3 players that are, you know, eighth round or seventh rounders, guys that. So I, I remember on this team, I got a, a ton of rookies. I had Jonathan Taylor. I had Antonio Gibson. I had J.K. Dobbins. I had uh, DeAndre Swift, all in the same roster. And, and just like went on and on and on. I had like nine of my top 30 running backs, which wasn't really my goal coming in, but I was kind of taking the zero RB approach and really making sure that I got wide receiver firepower and I was plenty deep, six, seven, good, strong wide receivers with no real elite top end player. And I, I shifted some money to paying up a little at QB and tight end. And then I still was able to get all these running backs. So to your point, you adjust to the to the auction and, and if if it comes out firing at the high end, it, it gets a little challenging. I really like the structure that you discussed um, especially for 2021, because we've talked about how how valuable Diggs and Tyreek are. And now that Rogers is certainly back, I think we'll probably both agree that Devontae Adams is right there with them. I, you know, I think he's potentially the you know the wide receiver one right now. And so you have this top three that I think are, you know, we talk with Diggs and Tyreek, they have the potential to really gap the field or or pull away a little bit. But this top three that are really, really strong. Still obviously love a lot of the receivers behind them. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown. I'm, I'm, I love all those guys too, but if you can get two of those top three receivers, like you were discussing, I think that would be sort of my plan coming in, but broadly, whether you're allowed, you're able to get them or not, I'm coming in with a a budget of what I want to spend on each position. uh, Some variability and some flexibility at quarterback and tight end, because sometimes I'll want to pay up for a high end guy at those positions. Otherwise I might go really cheap at those positions. So there's some, some wiggle room at those positions. I don't always want to get caught in the middle. I don't really want to be paying five or 10% on a mid round tight end or QB in an auction. I'm either going to get a difference maker or I'm basically going to stream. You can get $1 players for pretty strong players at $1 $1 or around that range, $5 maybe. And and I'm talking in a standard $200 budget when I'm saying a lot of these prices allocating a ton of money to wide receiver in in the way that I could buy two of those really high end wide receivers and then build behind that uh, and if I do that, then what I'm going to do is not look in that range I was just talking about from that that auction last year that had, you know, third and fourth round receivers. It's going to be right before the drop-off that I think we mentioned on the show last week while we we're drafting. And po- I think probably the week before, when we talk about how wide receivers not particularly deep. This year, the drop-off for me is right around like Debo Samuel, Tyler Boyd. Depends where Visca is going. Sometimes he goes higher, but Visca in some cases is right there. And then like a round later after those guys go who I'm really interested in, you're at like Brandon Cooks and I'm, you know, there's a volume case for Brandon Cooks, but that's, that's where there's no longer the upside for me. And that's sort of the drop-off point for me. And if I'm, if I'm spending really high at wide receiver, I'm probably going to be trying to grab Debo and Tyler Boyd. And like you said, it's, it's going to be variable to every auction, but that's how I'm going to try to build six strong wide receivers still is get right before that tier break. And, And that's where I think it is this year.
3: Exactly. And if you're getting enough wide receivers in that group that you just mentioned, then your team should be very well positioned to dominate this year, especially in deeper formats, right? So if you have a format with flexes, uh, we had discussions with a, a handful of people who had some very deep formats, and yet running backs were still expensive in their leagues. And the thing that we were trying to encourage is this idea of don't get caught up in what the price is on some of those guys. If you're getting a discount on wide receivers, just keep loading up on them. They're gonna be the ones who win your format. Then when we look at that then and, and think in terms of running back options that we would have, one of the things that we have talked about on the show in the early going is really understanding the dynamics with positional scoring, you know where it's strong, where it's weaker. Obviously the importance of understanding the running back dead zone But at the same time, the fact that people are finally starting to understand that dead zone is perhaps creating some opportunities where drafts have become inefficient just in a different way, right? We've got a couple of guys we've talked about a little bit in terms of targets, but I think they become even more exciting to me in auctions. You don't know who the cheap guys are going to be in your auction, but I think there's a possibility for those players who are kind of falling toward the end of round two, maybe are into round three, and then again in that round... Five, possibly six range, or even possibly four, depending again on the format. But the people I'm thinking of specific. We've talked about Clyde Edwards Elier. I had an article on the site last week talking about the really strong case I believe that he has to be this year's 20% win rate guy, which basically means he's going to blow up with a, a lesser price than these first rounders. In addition to that, I have an article coming out soon looking at DeAndre Swift as sort of an arbitrage play on. Austin Eckler. And looking at him, the closest comp that I have for his rookie season is David Johnson. And then we know what David Johnson did Ooh. in year two, right? Now, yeah. Swift is inexpensive because people don't believe in the Detroit offense. And I can understand that, but I think it's an overreaction. I think it's a big discount, right? So if you're talking about Edwards Alaire he's getting a little bit more expensive. He, he's moving into round two and snake. You can kind of feel how that might not be that cheap in auction. And especially if there is, you know, even one or two enthusiasts, you know, he could be an expensive guy. Swift. And then we talked a lot about ETN and Williams. I think that if you can put together a team that has either Edwards, O'Leary or Swift, and then a second running back of either ETN or Williams, then you have a running back start that hopefully won't be particularly expensive, but gives you a lot of firepower and just a lot of upside. Right. And we're not trying to finish fifth. We're trying to finish first. And we think about the different scenarios for those guys. We put it with the receivers. If those guys hit, not even a ceiling, right. But just, you know, slightly above what you might consider an average outcome for them. Then you're talking about a team that just runs away with the league. And, and the, wh- what
2: you're talking about very specifically is getting those guys at a good price means the opportunity cost for them is not the same as a draft because a draft is linear like you were saying every round you get one pick but if you can do that like you just described it running back while still being able to not sacrifice the wide receiver firepower you're essentially again following these tenants of anti-fragility and zero rb you're just allowed in an auction to be a little bit more flexible on that than you can be in a draft where you can only make one pick every round like sean was saying it is hard to get enough receivers before they fall off in a snake draft. In an auction, you have a lot more flexibility to maybe shift some of those wide receiver targets down, but take several in that Boyd-Debo, Visca range where they, they still have really strong upside cases and, and wide receivers still very deep there. They're guys that we really like. So yeah, I mean, my broad uh, answer to any of these questions, and I'm sure we'll get more now that we didn't cover probably every possible format that that, that the question could be, but my broad answer is always, Think about the tenets of what makes 0RB what it is. Go back and listen to the first episode uh, two weeks ago where we talked about how, uh, and really the third as well, where we talked about the modified 0RB and how similar it is to 0RB. What makes 0RB what it is? What the anti-fragility is? How we talked about Sean's original article. That is the stuff that you got to think through in your league. Now that things are a little bit different than the formats that we're typically talking, talking about, what does that mean in terms of how can you leverage the concept of anti-fragility and how can you leverage this concept of making sure to gain enough of an edge at wide receiver where it is more stable where you you know in an auction you want to be spending more of your initial draft capital which is just you know shifted from draft picks to to draft dollars um you still want to be you know spending more at wide receiver but how can you do that in creative ways and like sean was just saying you can be very smart and find you know some some good upside bets at running back two and, and do some even more um, interesting things that you can build some really dominant rosters. I, I love auctions, it's my favorite format.
3: It's a lot of fun and, and auctions for Dynasty as well. Uh, if you have a chance to just kind of set a, a 16 hour clock, that type of thing, uh, let it go. There are some more strategic elements to working with the clock, but we strongly recommend you get into some leagues like that because they're an absolute blast. We do have auction listeners. Thank you for uh, making sure that we covered that. And that's going to do it for today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stealing Bananas. I'm Sean Siegel. And with me is Ben Gretchen. You can follow at Yards for Gretch. Make sure you sign up for his newsletter, Stealing Signals, the best thing on fantasy football on the entire internet. You will absolutely love it. We're going to have more episodes this week. Subscribe to our feed to get them when they release. Please drop us a rating review on your favorite podcast app. And until we chat with you again in a couple days, keep drafting.
4: mypatriotsupply.com.